Hi, welcome to the Common Fund OCIO podcast. I'm Deborah Spaulding, Chief Investment Officer for Common Fund OCIO, and I'm joined by Chris Quate, Chief Market Strategist. This is the first episode of our podcast, so let's jump right in. So Chris, our macro dashboard tracks 50 variables that help us understand the macro environment and economic conditions. What signals are we seeing today? And what risks may not be priced into the market? And how does that impact our asset allocation and portfolio construction? Yeah, well, if, if you look at our dashboard, and as you said, Deborah, you know, we, we, we found a number of factors, roughly 50, but we call them down to these seven key uh, macroeconomic indicators. And one thing we see is consistently strong uh, employment, right? And that's supporting the consumer. And despite the fact that we'll probably get a higher uh, GDP number for the third, you know, growth is slowing. And we see this uh, in housing. We see this in survey data for, for manufacturing. And we, and we see this sort of in terms of the, the broad impact of lending rates on consumers. Inflation is also slowing. Uh, that's a positive trend. Uh, we went from about uh, 9% to under 4%. But you know, we do think it's going to be harder to get to that target of two uh, without a real growth slowdown and weakness in employment. And the Fed right now is, is certainly restrictive and short-term rates are high. And you know, at Comfund, you know, we don't believe that we've uh, fully digested the effects of tightening. So Fed funds rate at this level is last seen in 2007. Uh, we've had you know, 20 months of rate increases. And, and we know there's a long lead time for rate increases to impact economic activity. And overall, um, equities are not cheap, um, but they also aren't very expensive, uh, especially with this recent pullback. You, you asked about what's being priced in, Deborah. One thing that isn't priced into the market right now is a hard landing. And um, which we would view as significantly elevated unemployment, a prolonged you know, period of negative growth. And this makes duration and investment grade bonds fairly attractive uh, for deflation protection. Uh, and because the market's not pricing in, let's call it runaway, you know, higher, a real higher inflation environment, it, we think it makes real assets, particularly resource equities, pretty attractive. You know, energy stocks, for example, are uh, much cheaper in the market. Uh, and we have su supply constraints right now because oil companies' capital expenditures are low, right, as they're focused on dividends and buybacks for shareholders. So we're running our portfolios balanced now, and we're, we're neutral on equities relative to fixed income. And we're staying close to our, our strategic asset allocation for our client portfolios. Great. Um, so given that background, let's turn to the asset classes and let's start with equities, both public and private. What are you seeing? What are you thinking about? Well, you know, when we think about equities, you know, one thing that is important is we do as a firm believe that macroeconomic uncertainty will persist. Uh, because of things like higher rates, because of inflation, because of geopolitics, obviously, energy now is an issue. And we are um, seeing a real weakening 
of the consumer. And um, so we think this uncertainty really creates good opportunities now for active management uh, in public equities. And we think this, un this uncertainty really makes us bullish on a, a factor we think of as quality, right? And so if we think about the S&P alone, more than half the stocks are down this year. Um, small and mid cap stocks are at fairly cheap levels um, relative to history. International markets are certainly less expensive. And our managers now can, can really find companies with strong return on equity, you know, high quality balance sheets um, with good profitability and stable cash flows. Um, on, that's, that's the public side, the way we're really approaching it. And again, we're, we're very focused on quality right now as, as we think these higher interest rates are, are, are impacting um, poor business models and poor balance sheets. On the private side, we are seeing a slowdown in deal activity uh, and, a, and a higher cost of debt. Um, but at ComFund, as you know, we believe private equity is a key component uh, to achieving our long-term returns. We do see elevated dry powder in the space. And we also at ComFund remain committed to mid-sized firms right, that are focused on strong management teams. And we're focused on teams with sector ex expertise in areas like tech-enabled services and software, um, healthcare technology, uh, and business services and outsourcing, a lot of disruptive um, industries, which we think have, have a room to grow. So two of the themes that you've talked about are interest rates and inflation. And these are you know, in very important factors and it's driving a tremendous amount of uncertainty. So as we think about the potential for being in a new inflation regime, you mentioned duration. How should we be thinking about fixed income? Yeah, thanks, Deborah. I mean, it, as you said, you know, inflation um, is an issue. It remains above central banks' uh, target, um, and they remain uh, committed to achieving the target through higher rates and and a reduction in the balance sheet. And progress has been made on inflation, but you know, we do think it's too early to declare mission accomplished. And what we're seeing now is longer term interest rates going up. And a lot of that, we believe, has to do with um, supply and demand dynamics, you know, such as the Fed moving from quantitative easing uh, to quantitative tightening. Um, we're seeing a lot less foreign demand, uh, areas like, like Japan and China, as an example. And there's also less demand um, from banks because of the shape of the curve. Um, but coming back to your question, as long-term investors, you know, we believe in holding bonds for deflation protection. It's a small component of our overall portfolio. Uh, and we believe that in a recession, there will be a flight to quality and there will be a flight to duration. And so we, we still believe in bonds and their role in the portfolio. And because of this, we, we keep our duration in the investment grade part of our portfolio very close to benchmark. And we do that because we wanna make sure we have that protection if, and I should say when a recession takes hold because there always will be a recession at some point. And then it provides liquidity to our um, overall portfolio. And so what does that mean for credit? Yeah, so with, within core bonds, we, we certainly are finding spread and credit opportunities attractive. So we're, we're, we're underweight treasuries quite a bit in our client portfolios. 
and we're finding value in other areas of investment grade, you know, such as mortgages, where credit spreads are, are really pretty wide relative to history. And that's because of the, the Fed not being there now and, and, and volatility in interest rates is much higher, which, which causes mortgage spreads to widen. And, and so and the largest risk in mortgages is really um, prepay, right? And that's, that's really not a risk now because most mortgages are locked in at under 4%. Um, and the current, you know, mortgage rates are over 8%. Um, I, I think an, a good example um, on the non-investment grade um, side would be private senior lending. That, that's, a, that's a real focus of ours for getting non-investment grade credit exposure. And there our managers are making loans uh, to cash flowing companies. Uh, they're often in non-cyclical um, industries. Um, and these are typically short-term, several years. They have a floating interest rate, so they benefit when interest rates go up. And these loans have covenants in place, and there's intensive monitoring of them uh, by our managers. So then what are the implications for, say, real estate and banks? Those are two areas of the market that investors have expressed a lot of concern about recently. Yeah, understandable. And um and we, we see a lot, particularly about certain sectors of real estate. And but importantly, real estate is a broad asset class. And our, our PMs, our portfolio managers, excuse me, are telling us that most of you know, what they're seeing in investable real estate, the fundamentals are actually pretty good. Um, some areas were even seeing rent growth, uh, like multifamily. Um, but there are the largest concerns within real estate are really in office, and particularly um, for cities that haven't returned to uh, full work weeks, right? They're not at capacity. The other area of real estate that's also we see struggling a little bit besides office are specifically hotels, business hotels, I should say. And, um, and we're finding that unless business hotels are in a sunny area um, with attractions or at least a spa, um, you know, nobody's really going. Um, now, if we think so, those are small components of real estate. But if we think about banks, um, and specifically where, where we're seeing pressures on regional banks, you know, regionals are involved in a lot of smaller deals, uh, smaller real estate deals, because um, commercial real estate projects are tend when you're over 200 million, and these are major projects in big cities, they get funded in the in the commercial mortgage markets, and 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 and. This tends to be risk that's distributed across many. It's not sitting on one single bank's balance sheet. But regional banks, where the loans are more likely to be held on their on their balance sheet, will experience some losses, uh, and the issue will be rolling debt over the next several years. Um, and you know, we think this is being reflected in the share prices of regional banks you know, that are now down over thirty percent year to date. Now, now, importantly, our focus on real estate at Common Fund isn't on, isn't on office space and hotels. We intend to invest mostly in other areas of opportunity. And one area we're focused on, for example, is digital infrastructure. And we've been making these investments for about uh, six years. Uh, they're, 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 they're not highly correlated to things like office. And um, there's been growing demand. We're, we've been doing this because there's been growing demand in e-commerce. There's a lot of growing demand in, 
in data storage and consumption, on-premise um, IT infrastructure and cloud, and even things like supply chain logistics, such as how food is stored uh, and distributed. And so we've made investments in areas like data centers, um, fiber companies, tower assets, and even spectrum. So when you put all of those asset class dynamics together and you look at it from an overall perspective, how do higher rates and inflation then impact overall returns and the ability to achieve CPI plus 5%? Yeah, you know, we, so we build portfolios um, that will meet long-term objectives for endowments and foundations, and these are achievable goals. Right, but they require a growth focus. We need a lot of equity focus, right? And and we need to take liquidity risk. We need a healthy dose, meaning you know, our clients need a healthy allocation to private markets. And also we need appropriate degrees of diversification um, for downside protection so our clients can get through the downturns in market. So we're we're very much guided by the strategic asset allocations we build for our clients. And you know, openly, one of our concerns going forward is that we could be in a higher inflation regime, right? Um, as and we're not talking about today, but we're talking about you know the next decade, as we're dealing with things like an aging population. We're obviously dealing with geopolitical risks, um, deglobalization, and we're also seeing, um, I'd call it potential changes in the power of labor. And so this could make it a little more challenging for clients to achieve their return goals over the next decade, because we think of everything as a spread over inflation. And so what we've been doing is we've been working and hard with our clients, spend a lot of time with our clients to understand, uh, help them understand their need to take on liquidity risk to meet their return objectives. Um, we've been working with them to understand their ability to invest in privates, right? ensuring adequate uh, remaining liquidity to meet their spending needs and stress testing portfolios and whatnot. And we're also helping our clients understand, engage their comfort with private investments through education. Um, and we're doing this because our clients need to capture this liquidity premium from privates. And over the last five years, um, you know, the average increase in the illiquid allocations for our clients was roughly 15%. And as you know, Deborah, we're fortunate to have both an OCIO business uh, and a private equity business at the firm. And our clients get the benefit of that access that ComFund Private Equity you know, has built over 35 years investing with leading managers. It's interesting, you know, we talk broadly and we hear broadly about these themes around inflation and interest rates, but as you describe how that plays out, across markets and across asset classes and across portfolios, you know, is really quite different. Um, so I wanted to thank you, Chris, for all of that food for thought. Very interesting. Um, good to digest. Uh, and that is it from us. Stay tuned for episode two of the Common Fund OCIO podcast. Thanks, Deborah.